Well, good morning. Nice to see you all. And uh, good to be here. Oh, man. I just want to take a pause, don't we? Just, you know, so much. Already, we're only like an hour or so, and uh, it's so rich. And, um, and I love it, really, where what I want to speak about this morning couldn't really be better illustrated than by kind of what's just happened this morning. Um, I've given this a title of Hallmarks of a Healthy Church Culture, and um, we're going to get there in a minute, um, into Romans 16. So we'll get there in a bit. But um, I don't know when you hear that word culture, what do you think of? You know, we hear things like there's youth culture, and there's workplace culture. I wonder how you'd describe if you work, your workplace culture. Um, there's family. <laughs> seen a few grimaces. There's family culture. Um, there's all these different... There's British culture, isn't there? What do you think of when you think of British culture? Give me some... Shout out some things. Hmm? Tea. Earl Grey, of course. Yeah? Who are the Earl Grey fans? Come on. Yes. Yeah, we're not going to ask the others. Um, tea. Um, what else do we think of with British culture? Hmm? Roast dinner. Curry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hang on. You guys be louder and clearer. Wanna, go on. Full English breakfast. Cricket. Huh? Moaning. <laughs> Queuing. Are we good at queuing or what? Um, Anyway, British culture, we talk about all these things, and, and, and culture, I don't know how you'd even describe it, but we tend to use the word quite a lot, and we like that with words, aren't we? And sometimes it's good to pause and think, well, what do we actually mean by that word when we describe that? And, and culture, it means so many different things, really, but the way we do things, the, the things we create, the art we make, the, the songs that people write, your music is part of our, our culture and, and represents something of a culture. The values that we live by, the things that we think are important, the language that we speak is part of our culture. The very words that we choose to use, the traditions that we follow, and also the stories we tell. They say a lot about a culture, the stories that we tell. We are story um, someone's put it this way, once story-shaped, driven animals. Now, I think we're more than animals, but you know what I'm saying. We live by stories, and um, the advertisers know this so well, don't they? Because maybe, you know, you can remember adverts from past. A car advert would be, hey, this many cc's engine, this many seats, it's really practical, it'll do this, it'll do that. Nowadays, what do they do on car adverts? They basically tell you kind of a story that you can be part of, that you can buy into if you only had that car. So stories are powerful things, and they are, if we look at the stories that are told in our culture, the story of consumerism that is out there that says basically if you have this, if you do that, uh, if, you, if, if you have this thing, then you can be a happier person, you'll be a more fulfilled person. There are stories that are told all over the place. Every people group, every club, every family, every workplace, every school, and every church has a culture, a way of doing things, things they value, the stories they tell, the language they use, the values they live by. And each one of us also is, 
Culture is cultivated. It doesn't just happen. Culture is cultivated. And um, sometimes that's subconsciously, maybe unthinkingly, without thinking, that we just kind of go with the flow. We're kind of born into a certain culture and we kind of go with the flow of that culture and maybe we don't stop to pause and think, well, hang on, why are things said that way? Why are those stories being told and how are they shaping my life and my decision-making and how I'm living and what I'm doing? We need to stop sometimes and think about the kind of stories that are told and the values that are being there in the culture and how we live by them and so on, but we can do it subconsciously. Or we can contribute to culture very deliberately, very intentionally as well in what we do. And so the question I want to ask is, what does healthy church culture look like? And I don't know whether you're new to church, you might be here, you might be watching online. Hello online people, by the way, and those at Mile Cross as well. Great, you can be with us. And, um, but, you know, what do you think about when you think about church? If you're brand new to church or exploring or maybe you've heard things in the news about church and you just think, man, it just seems bad because there is some stuff out there that is not doesn't represent good culture, does it? That has the kind of label church and Christ and Jesus on it. How do we view healthy church culture? And we're going to pull out some things from this final chapter of Romans, chapter 16, in a minute. There's a number of things here that, that all of us, if we're part of the church, all of us, I think, have a responsibility to cultivate healthy church culture. Because we all contribute to it, don't we? Yeah. We've said many times, you know, church isn't a spectator sport. It's not just rock up on a Sunday and go. It's we all contribute to the culture of the church. And so Romans 16, obviously, well, if you know Romans at all, comes at the end of Romans. It's the end of this letter that Paul writes. And um, it's, 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 a, it's an in-depth letter. It's a rich letter. We've been kind of working our way through it. We've come a long way, in fact, in this series. And again, if you're new to the Bible or you're just here for the first time this morning, um, let me just give, we've come from Romans chapter 1, that's obviously where we started, where Paul starts with this very Christ-centered greeting. He greets the church and he talks about how the gospel, this good news about Jesus, is the power of God for salvation. Then he goes into chapters 1 and chapters 3 and he moves through there basically saying, hey, it's a level playing field. It doesn't matter whether you are religious, non-religious, you're Jew or you're Gentile. He says that it's a level playing field before God doesn't matter how much you've gone to church or not gone to church or, or prayed this or done that or whatever. It's a level playing field. All fall short. All have sinned. And then into Romans 3, he starts to unpack then that actually then it's going to be by faith, through grace, that we're then saved, that we're rescued by God, his work for us on our behalf. We're justified. This word that comes through those chapters a lot means to be made right with God through the work of another, through Jesus. It's grace through faith in Christ. And then into Romans chapter 5, we start to get, he talks about how you've got peace with God, that when we were at our most helpless, our most hopeless, and at our most godless, says Christ died for us. When we're at our worst, God gives his best. And then you go through into chapter 6 as Paul starts to say, well, this is incredible grace. If this is all of what God does for us and all we've got to do really is receive that and say thank you for it and put our trust in Jesus. And uh, Well, hang on, surely then can we just carry on singing to make God look good? Because if God forgives us when we sin, well, surely that makes God look better. So I'll sin a bit more. And Paul's like, no way, you've misunderstood grace. He says, in fact, actually this sin that you used to live under, that used to dominate your life and the direction of your life, you're no longer under that anymore. 
And he starts to talk about the Spirit of God at work in your lives. And then in Romans chapter 7, he sort of unpacks in the midst of our deepest struggles, coming into chapter 8, how Christ is the answer to that. That there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He gives forgiveness in face of death. He gives life in the face of sin, this ruling power. He gives a spirit in the face of suffering and pain and troubles. He promises help and hope. Then we come into chapters 9 and 11, and Paul starts grappling with some massive questions about the Jewish nation, Israel. Well, hang on a minute. If God's faithful to his people, then, then, then why maybe not more than recognising Jesus as the fulfilment of their own scriptures? And for Paul... These questions that he asks in chapter 9, 10, and 11, he starts off by saying, I am in anguish over this. In other words, he feels these questions at an emotional level. You know, I I love that that's there in the Bible because don't we have questions? We may not have the same questions as Paul. We may not be grappling with the nation of Israel, but I would bet we will be grappling with different questions to do with God in different ways, and it's okay (laughs) to feel those questions at a deep level. Paul clearly did, and it led him to plow into God's word, and then towards the end of chapter 11, he comes down really saying, hey, God is still faithful. God is merciful, and then when he moves into chapter 12, he starts to apply all this truth of this gospel of grace. We're saved by faith. It's all God's work for us, and he starts to say, now this should affect the way that we live how we are in the world. In Romans chapter 12, you've got, in fact, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through to sort of 21, you know, I'd encourage you, if you want a kind of condensed version, as it were, of, of how to live, what the Christian life is about, Paul packs a whole load of things into these uh, few verses in chapter 12, like, let love be without hypocrisy. I mean, you could just spend ages on that, couldn't you? What does that look like in my life? Love to be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honour, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practising hospitality. And he goes on. It's worth chewing into that if you haven't before. And if you have before, it's worth doing it again. And he starts um, chapter 13, how we live under government. So it's not just how we live kind of personally in the world, but how do we live under, under, under governments and rule and authorities? And then he goes on in chapters 14 and 15 and says, hey, this is how you live with difference in the church, because you're going to disagree over some things. That is going to happen in church life. And so he starts to unpack that. And do you know what? Sometimes it's what Paul doesn't say almost says as much as what he does say. Does that make sense? So what he doesn't say in chapter 14 and 15, when you've got these two groups of Christians, some group of the Christians are basically saying, look, there's some special food that we need to eat and there's some special days that we need to honour and keep. And they, they feel that's right before God. They're convicted about that. They're, 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 their conscience is convicted about that. And there's some other Christians who are basically saying that, no, 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 you don't need to eat special food and you, and, and, and you can eat anything and, and the special days, and that doesn't matter anymore because we're not under that. What Paul doesn't say... I've got a great idea, start two churches. One for those who like special days and food, and one who don't. He doesn't do that. What he does do, though, is he goes to the gospel, he goes to Jesus, and he says, this is what Christ is like. 
Accept one another as Christ accepted you. Are there sometimes things to divide over? Yes, of course. But not things like this. He says you've got to work this out with the gospel at the heart of those relationships. And then he comes into land in chapter 15 and shares his desire with him that he's been prevented to be with him and he asks for prayer. And then we come into chapter 16 and I'll just read a few verses. I won't read it all, but he says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, chapter 16, verse 1, Romans, a servant of the church which is at Kenkere, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and that you help her in whatever matters she may have need of you. For she herself has been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life, well, they risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. That's the non-Jews. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet, if I pronounce these wrongs, by the way, maybe you won't know, but I'll just go with it anyway, these names, because I can't pronounce much of them. In fact, I mean, Penny's trying to translate it into Chinese, so <laughs> you've got a harder job there. <laughs> Uh, where are we gone? Greet Epanetus, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Greet Mary, I can pronounce that one, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Juna, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, and who are outstanding among the apostles, sorry, Junior, who are in Christ before me. Greet Amplatius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Abanus and fellow worker in Christ. Greet Stachius, my beloved. Greet Apellus, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are in the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodonian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. I'm going to stop there. You get the point, hopefully. All these names that Paul mentions, and there's loads, there's rich pickings here for understanding what... Just at the very end of a letter, you might think kind of, well, we've had the meat. We've had the main stuff. There's so much here. And I just want to unpack seven things, very briefly, hopefully. Just, just seven things to, to take hold of, to take away, to chew over. They're things that you're already doing, all right? They're things that are precious to us. It's more of a reminder and encouragement, hopefully, to be doing it. And the first one is there's an honouring culture. All these names he honours, he says in chapter 1, we just read it, I commend our sister Phoebe to you, to commend something. Some people this week have been commending to me the Barbie movie. I'm not going to mention names. Um, now maybe it's, you know, but when we commend something, we, um, we, put it, we set it before people to recommend something, to say this is a good thing to go and do or see or something like that. And when we commend a person, we give credit, we give thanks. It speaks of valuing. And Romans 12.10, the verses that I just read out a moment ago, says in a New International Version that we are to outdo one another in honour. Outdo one another. Who's competitive? is a good competition. Outdo one another in honouring people, in giving thanks to people, in valuing people. That's the kind of culture that Paul wants. And it is an absolute joy to be able to do that. Yeah, we're able to commend those that have gone out from us, out from Simone, when they went to Peterborough, to commend them to the church there. Because we value them. Those that have come to us as well, Tom and Josie, Sorry to pick on you again, mate. But we commend them to you. We know them. We value them. We thank God for them. It's a joy to commend those who come to us. 
It's a massive joy to commend those who are part of the Church of Kings. And there are so many people that we could commend. So I've tried to... I'm not going to mention one, but this week, I thought, well, just, okay, just think this week on some of this stuff. Just this week, I thought, okay, Dave Lewis's name came to mind because I had a conversation with someone else from another church, and I thought, you know what, have a chat with Dave. And I commended him to this other guy, this other church. And it's a joy to be able to do that. And I could, I could literally list name after name after name after name. I'm just thinking about this week, that's all. It's a joy to be able to do that. We want an honouring culture. The second is a loving family culture. The fruit of the gospel, the fruit of chapters 1 right through to chapter 8, as it were, is that it forms this community centred around Jesus and around what Jesus has done on the cross. The greatest demonstration of love there is. No greater love is there than you lay down your life for a friend. And we only love because God first loved us, because mercy and grace has come our way. We then spill that out to other people. And as you look through here, there's, he says the word greet 19 times. And this word greet speaks of a kind of affectionate greeting. Um, beloved, he speaks of four times. Sister in, chapter, in verse 1. He speaks about, I love that, um, Rufus's, who's, who's a friend of Paul's. He says, hey, greet your mum, and she's my mum as well. I love it. You've got these kind of depth of family relationships. You know, Goff's little phrase of it's the smell of the New Testament. It really is. The family of God. It's so important that we seek to cultivate that. And again, this week, I just sort of thought, thought okay, what, where have I seen that happening this week? And I think I saw it uh, on, on Thursday as I was in the coffee shop. And um, Phil and Jane came in. They came in with, with Catherine, Emil, and, 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 and Tom, and Abby, and, and Ella as well, and their family came in. And just to see the way that they'd welcomed them into their home as they're visiting from France. You see this flavour of family there. And by the way, Ella, I won't get you up, don't worry. Um, Ella's going to be doing ID with us next year. That's a year out. Um, so watch out for Ella. And we'll say more. And she'll be at New Day next week as well. So their daughter's going to be coming to do ID. And, and Matt and Ruth are going to be having them in, her in her home. And again, this beautiful thing of this, this, this family. That's what church is meant to be. And the way that Martin and Alyssa opened their home, gave their home last week to nine Kenyans who came to stay. And Martin and Alyssa are in America. Where are you? Where are you? Over there. Hey, welcome back, mate. Hope the house is all right. <laughs> Good. Thumbs up. And, and just the way they were just generous in that and just saying, hey, yeah, 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 there's, there's, there's a home there. You can have it for these Kenyans to come and stay in. Just beautiful. The way, as Goss mentioned already, again, the way that you've got the home ready and Dave and Linda and others have worked so hard just getting that home ready for Tom and Josie and the family tonight. I could go on and on. This is just this week or so. It's beautiful outworking of the family of God. Oh yeah, Robert and Susan bringing over cakes. <laughs> Genuinely, this is family. Knowing we had lots of people over to turn up at the door with bunches of cakes that lasted a long time and were superb. That's family, isn't it? And we want to keep cultivating that. The third thing is that there's a diverse culture. Again, this list of names, these are not just kind of one type of person. There is a breadth and a depth of people. You've got slaves and free and rich and poor and Jews and Gentiles. It's a very unlikely mix. That just seems to be, just seems to be what Jesus does. You know, you see the disciples when he chooses them. Twelve unlikely guys you wouldn't normally see together. And he gets them together with him at the centre. 
And it's beautiful to celebrate the different nationalities. I did a love it during worship, just hearing Penny translating behind me. The different nationalities that are here, people from different social backgrounds, different countries, different places, different ages. It's a diverse culture. Again, it's the fruit of the gospel. The fourth one is a connected culture. A healthy church culture is a connected culture. And what I mean by this, in verse 16, in fact, maybe you sort of heard it as I was reading through some of it. He was like, greet the, the churches. And at the end, he says, um, all the churches of Christ greet you. There's kind of this relationship between churches. And then if you go to chapter, uh, verse 23, Gaius, host to me into the whole church, greets you. Um, and so you've got this whole deal of, of, it's not just kind of these isolated, independent churches kind of doing their own thing, but there are these beautiful relationships among local churches. And for us, that's outworked in all sorts of different ways. Again, I just thought, well, this past week, what's been kind of going on? And again, loads of rich examples. And I know, golf, you've been, Angie, involved a little bit in the church in Yarmouth again, just, just, just there. For myself and Jean, obviously, down in Lowestoft. And um, in, in chatting with James and Jess in, in Beckles this week, but also more widely than that, in our, these are sort of relational mission churches that we're, we're part of. Um, Jude, the other week we mentioned about going to Stockholm to serve the church there. You've got Joe this morning who's been travelling around those churches and um, getting to know people. And Chris and Nikki with Valter and Simone building that relationship. The Buriers here last week, they're part of our sort of, they're another kind of um, church sphere, as it were, uh, family. But we, we connect very closely, relational mission in the churches in, in Kenya. I could go on and on again, but that's just this week. And that's just a few examples. There's probably more examples than that. Churches in the city as well we connect with, having lunch together. Um, a couple of times a term, I think it is. We gather in different places, in different church buildings across the city. I think we've got the next one, actually, is coming up in, I think it's September, and I think it's going to be up at the Nigerian church in sort of North Thorpe area, around there somewhere. We're going to be gathering there, having some Nigerian food. And this is churches from across the city together. They're connected. Healthy church culture is a connected, broader culture. The fifth one is a sacrificial serving culture. Jesus came to serve and not be served. And he, and he set that example, if you know the story of when he washed the disciples' feet. He said, I'm going to put myself at the lowest place. And that was just to illustrate him being put at the lowest place, the cross. You do not get lower than the cross. And Jesus said, I've done this as a way of life, a way of living for you. You're to be cross-shaped people. And that means sacrificial serving people and you are in so many ways and here we've just read about um, Phoebe it says she helped me and she's helped many Priscilla and Aquila says literally they risked their very lives they put their very life on the line for Paul and then Mary it says worked hard for you and Persis he worked hard you have these phrases co-workers co-prisoners together serving together men and women different backgrounds serving together doing the stuff together this synergy, that comes through in these words that are used here in the Greek, where we get our word synergy from. We're not to do it on our own. We can't follow Jesus on our own. <laughs> That's, you can't. We need one another. And uh, my friend Mike, Mike Bollinger, who's down in Lowestoft, who many of you will, will know Mike, um, he used an illustration the other week for something. He talked about in, in Canada, they have a thing called Canada Day. And um, they have a horse pulling competition to see which horse can kind of pull the biggest weight. 
And um, any guesses on how much one horse pulled, the top one horse? In pounds, if we can have it in pounds. Old school. I know, it's, it's Canadians. Huh? 3,000, okay. Any more? 5,000, more? 10,000, slightly lower. Eight. 8,000 pounds one horse pulled. Another one pulled 7,000 pounds in weight. That's huge, isn't it? Guess how much they pulled together? Bang on. Well done. I should, I, I've had chocolate. I'd give it to you. But I don't. That's just a, I've set you up and then disappointed you. Sorry. Raise expectation. 30,000. Man, if that doesn't illustrate what we're capable of together with one another, we need one another. Again, we know this, this beautiful interdependence. We need one another to lean on one another, to do things together. There's this beautiful sacrificial serving, but it's together. It's working hard, but it's together. It's watching out for each other. It's praying for one another. It's being there for one another. And again, I know this culture is in the church here in so many ways. This number six is this, a discerning culture. Maybe, I didn't read this bit out, but in verse 17, Paul says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances that's contrary, that goes against the teaching that you've learned. Turn away from them. He talks about such men as slaves, not of Lord, the Lord Christ, but of their own appetites. With smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. I think Paul wants this in the church, a sense of discernment in terms of knowing the gospel, knowing the truth, knowing what the Bible teaches. And then sometimes people do come among. And we've had that sometimes. People coming in and starting to teach things or kind of get around people that are just off beam. And do you know what I've been blessed with most? Is when I've had conversations with people about that, it's not the elders who have got it, it's others of you that have kind of gone, hey, there's some stuff being said by this person that's really unhelpful and unhealthy. Just something not good about it. That you've spotted it. And had conversations and things like that. We're meant to be a discerning community. A healthy church community is a discerning. So it says, look out for. Not paranoid about. Not suspicious. Not in that way. But just look at, just be, be aware of these things. He says, be wise in what is good. That's what we need to be. It's a discerning culture as well. So an honoring culture, a loving family culture, a diverse culture, a connected culture, a sacrificial serving culture, a discerning culture, and finally the most important, a Christ-centered culture. Ten times, if you recognize as we read through that in chapter 16, Paul says this phrase, he says, in Christ Jesus or in the Lord. He uses it about the people, in the Lord. I'm just going to find an example. Here you go. Greet Apollentus, my beloved, in the Lord. Greet our fellow worker in Christ, in Christ. There's it again. And Stachius, my beloved. Greet Apellus, the approved, in Christ. Greet those who are in the household of Aristippus. And he goes on and on. Narcissus, who are in the Lord. It's this phrase he just repeats time and time and time again, saying basically, it's Christ, it's him, it's what he's done, it's the story of Jesus. If there is a story that we live by that is the, the story of the culture of the church that shapes everything in the church, it is the story of Christ. We make him the main deal. That's the content of Paul's preaching. In fact, Paul says that, doesn't he, towards the end in chapter verse 16, verse 25. He says, to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. He says to the Corinthians when he goes there, 
When I was among you, I resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's this story that shapes everything that we live by. Back to my definition of culture at the beginning. It shapes the way we do things, the things we create, the songs that we write. And it's great to see that worship is writing songs and that's all going to be coming out more and more. He shapes the values that we live by. The story of Christ shapes the language that we speak, shapes the words that we use, shapes everything in the church. And like I said at the start, all of us cultivate culture. All of us. And we can do that subconsciously or consciously. And the way that Paul is encouraging us here through Romans is, hey, let's be conscious about keep cultivating the culture that we want in the church. It's what you're doing. just want to encourage you in it. Let's keep doing these things and pray for the grace to persevere in them and see even more fruit from them in the future. Shall we stand, please? I'd like to invite the band back up. I'd like to pray, and then God will lead us through from there. The Jenny band. Yeah, Lord, thank you that the way this morning just, this has been illustrated so much in what has been, we're totally unplanned, we didn't plan all this this morning, just the way it's come together. Um, and thank you for your word that is so, so rich in so many ways. Thank you for these living letters that we have that speak to us today, that help us shape what we do. And I thank you for the church here. I thank you for the church family. Thank you for all those who give themselves to work hard and serve others. And so much goes on that maybe we don't know, but we're grateful for it. People who are living before an audience of one, not to impress others, just following you, getting on with it. And we thank you for the connections of churches across this region. Thank you. New churches are getting planted and started. Other churches are getting strengthened and helped. Churches on the mainland Europe and beyond and into Kenya and other places, Lord, we thank you so much for all these connections. And I thank you, Lord, that they're not, they're not organizational connections. They are heart connections. Lord, you've put hearts together, people together, who love one another, who miss one another when they're gone. And Lord, I pray that by your Spirit, because to cultivate this culture, Lord, we, we need you. We need your help. And I thank you that is your promise, that you will help us. And I pray that you keep doing that, Jesus. You keep helping us to cultivate these things, to see your kingdom come, and to see more of your will be done. In the name of Jesus. Amen.